Wow, what do you know? It's time for the Pocket Knife Show. Hey, it's Mike on the mic again for another episode of the Pocket Knife Podcast. Our family signed up to compete against each other in the CBS Bracket Game. Our little corner of the NCAA basketball world is titled, Even Mom Will Pick. I chose the name two years ago when we first went head-to-head in guessing the outcome of the 64-team tournament. The name stuck even though this time around, Mom did not pick. She simply didn't have time before the deadline to mull over who might win this game or that. She doesn't really care. Through rounds one and two, making all dads proud, I am in first place, dominating the next generation. Two of my final four picks are still in play. Unfortunately, my overall winner was knocked out last Monday night. I was stupidly loyal and chose home state KU to win it all. So I won't gain any points on national championship night, while two other competitors whose names I shall not speak out loud predicted a Baylor victory. They've still got a chance. A couple of my daughters like these young men a lot, so I guess they're okay. I still want to beat them. I have to tell you one of my favorite side stories. One of my kids made choices in her bracket in a unique way. Last Sunday, I sent a taunting text to the group. I feel bad for all of you who picked Illinois. (laughs) A few minutes later, this kid chimes in. I picked my favorite state unless I didn't know what the abbreviations meant. She went on to say, then I picked randomly. I will win. She was in second place at the time. Later in the day, she had dropped to fifth. I asked what happened to her bracket. Her reply, Utah is a great state, but apparently bad at basketball. Sorry to rub your noses in your team's loss again, Utah State. Her words, not mine. Will I still be in first place in the even mom will pick universe when the tournament's all over? If I am... Dad high fives all around. If not, well, we won't even talk about that. In the first third of Matthew 21, we find the story which gives this coming Sunday its name. Palm Sunday, as you'll see when we read a few verses, gets its fancy church calendar moniker from the stuff some people were waving in the air and throwing on the street as Jesus entered Jerusalem in king mode, riding on a donkey. Here's the first part of the story. From Matthew 21, 1-11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The pro-Jesus folks are super excited, like many of you would be if the Kansas Jayhawks, or whichever team is your favorite, were still in the big dance. Why are they excited? 
We have a clue in verse 5. The words there are a quote from the Old Testament, specifically from Zechariah 9.9. If you go back and read the verse in its original context, you'll find a much longer declaration of victory to come. I'll read just verses 9 to 12 to give you a taste. These speak of the new life that God has promised to his chosen people. To the people of Jesus' day, these words likely stirred emotions as they asked, When will they come to pass? Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I realize some of the metaphors used by the prophet are lost in us. We live in a very different kind of day. But we can still see how people in Israel could get excited if they thought God was about to fulfill these predictions. The promises of the overthrow of their enemies, of a return to their glory days when God fought for them, would pump up the crowd. If you imagine fans sitting on the edge of their couches as the final seconds of a basketball game tick away, watching their team come up the court with a one-point deficit, the reactions of the people in Jerusalem seeing Jesus hop on a donkey for a ride down the hill into their ancient capital city are like the jumping up and down that happens when a living room full of people who care about the outcome of a game watch their team star hit a half-court buzzer beater. The people of Jesus' day didn't shout woohoo, but... Hosanna meant basically the same thing. Picture a basketball team and its fans lifting the hitter of the winning shot to their shoulders and shouting his name. That's pretty close to the feeling in the air as the folks watching the events here unfold wave branches in the air and shout, He saves! He saves! He saves! This was a day of victory they'd anticipated for almost 600 years since it was first announced. They'd endured centuries of oppression at the hands of nations who rejected their God, who honored idols, who mistreated them greatly, violently putting down rebellion. We know today, because we have the completed and finalized tale of Jesus' purchase of salvation, that the victory he was about to bring about was not a military coup. The Roman pigs were not about to be sent packing. In fact, just a few years later, the Romans were going to sack the city in which shouts of Hosanna are now ringing. The temple would be destroyed. Things would become worse politically, not better. But Jesus did win. What his death on the cross a few days into the future brought about was by far better in the long run than the reestablishment of an earthly kingdom could ever be. He paid the price for the sins of the world so that any who believe could be freed from their sin guilt before God and be given eternal life. Woohoo! He saves! Just a quick heads up, I've put together a bonus Easter sunrise episode, so be sure to check in at around 7 o'clock a.m. for this special edition on Easter Sunday morning. Until next Friday, keep waving those palms high in the air and shout, He saves. Oh no, it's sad I know we've come to the end of the show. See you next time.